Sean of the South, and I'm your host tonight, Sean Dietrich. We're coming to you live with the podcast, airwaves, and radio waves all over this fine nation from Leapers Fork, Tennessee, located along the Natchez Trace Trail, with special guests tonight, Grant Ferris, classical guitarist and nylon string banjo extraordinaire. The music for this episode curated by WNC Original Music. My buddy Ron Taylor scours the nation for the best music you can listen to, and that's no joke. Couldn't stand it We're smiling like a bandit Together on a Saturday night Coffee on the stove A sweet potato pie And everybody's happy Even grumpy old grandpappy Together on a Saturday night We've been around the world From Timbuk It must be true what Dorothy says Ain't no place like home If you need a friend Listen buddy, I'm your guy Just hurry and come over Mama made up all ten overs Together on a Saturday night And everybody gathers And everybody'd rather be together On a Saturday night Mm-hmm. 
Hill. Thank you for tuning in on a Saturday night. You could have been doing anything, but instead you chose to waste your precious hours doing nothing like listening to us. And believe me, it's really nothing. We're here at Leapers Fork. Leapers Fork, Tennessee. My wife and I uh, took about two days getting up here. And really, you, you might be wondering, what is in Leapers Fork? I'm going to tell you, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Except a little tiny town with a little tiny um, uh, shopping area um, for little general store gifts. And of course, Puckett's Grocery, uh, gathering, hangout for musicians all over Nashville. You can't throw a rock in this area within, I don't know, 100 square miles and not hit a musician. That's Nashville, and we are right outside Nashville. We're at the Garrison Creek Trailhead on the Natchez Trace Trail, which is an important trade route uh, and travel route for Native Americans and early European American settlers. This is one of the oldest trails in the U.S. US. And it's a leafless day. The trees are brown and gray. The chinkapins and the post oaks and black oaks. It's uh, almost eerie. There's crows flying overhead. They see us recording the podcast and they think to themselves, I wonder if those guys have any internal organs that need eating. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a gross joke. With me today is Grant Ferris. He plays a nylon string banjo, and he's a classical guitarist with more training than you can shake a stick at. He's originally from, well, he was originally born in Wisconsin. Uh, he was raised in Lancaster County, Nebraska. He's got uh, a touch on his instrument that will make you, make you remember things that you forgot. He lives here in Nashville, uh, just outside this area. He's a songwriter, and he's a guitarist. He plays with everybody. He does everything. And he also works by day uh, in a brewery. Uh, let me ask you, do the people in the brewery, uh, do they know that you play music? Yeah. What's, what's fun about you know Nashville and having the friends that I do, they... The last time that I did a recording, six or seven people that worked on it, and I believe four of them worked at the brewery with me. The guy who played percussion on it, Noah Denny, uh, he, he worked in the tap room. Um, Mark Pataccia was the engineer. And Chris Donahue washed kegs. John Mylander, who played fiddle on it. John doesn't work at the brewery, but the woman who did the, who did the art, Miranda Chandler... Uh, she works at it. All right. Well, Grant Ferris is going to play for us here a tune about his home county in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. And this is Lancaster. I'm in, I'm in dad-gad tuning for this one. Thank you. 
Thank you, Grant. Thank you, Lancaster. Grant Ferris, this portion of our program brought to you by Midnight Shift Coffee, the official coffee of the Pensacola Police Department. A buck from each bag goes to help support the Riley Foundation, which fights childhood cancer. That Midnight Shift Coffee, which I'm drinking right now, gives you the get up and go to go up and get that get up and go you're going to get. Let me say that three times fast. Also, by Visit North Alabama or hashtag Visit North AL, only a few miles beneath the state line here in Tennessee. Uh, visit the 16 North Alabama counties that make this state what it is and figure out why people are always talking about Nakalula Falls. And by Folklore Brewing and Meadry, quite literally the best brew in Alabama. Visit FolkloreBrewingandMeadry.com. Let's read you a little bit of our mail sent in to us from listeners all over this fine nation who had nothing better to do. And to put pen to paper or fingers to phone screens or or type out uh, whatever, a letter or some sentiments to let us know uh, what they're thinking or asking us to cease and desist uh, all operations under threat of legal, legal consequences. Our first letter comes from Michael in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Here, Sean, I just want to say that I'm glad your podcast is back. And I hope to listen to them while I'm messing with cows all day long. I live outside Albuquerque, and I listen to my podcasts on a device, which is my phone. For all the evils this phone gives me, at least I get to hear your show. Dear Michael, thank you for that. Uh, Ariel in Bloomington, Indiana. I am 85 years old. And someone introduced me to your show in my nursing home, Summerby. <laughs> and I've been listening every week. And I just want to say thanks. Also, please tell me what you look like, because I don't know what you look like. And I do desperately want to visualize you. <laughs> well, Ariel... I am about uh, 6'1", with my boots on. I think I'm 6'1 and a quarter. Uh, I've got reddish curly hair, uh, but it's uh, receding, and eventually I imagine that my hairline will start somewhere at the base of my skull. (laughs) I have a thick red beard that grows like an oriental rug. And uh, the hair just keeps on going. Uh, The barber has to shave my neck to indicate a stoppage of hair. Otherwise, it just keeps going down my back, down my front side, which is probably more information than you need to know. But uh, hair is a very important trait in my family. Uh, I've changed hair colors three times in my life, Ariel. Uh, I was born a copper penny redhead, brand new copper penny redhead. And then uh, somewhere around the age, I think five, I changed to towhead blonde, platinum. And that lasted, I think, until age perhaps eight. And then I went back to, or no, maybe maybe it was a little later than that, maybe like 10 or 11. Uh, then I went back to a, a red again. And uh, now here it is. It's kind of a strawberry auburn. Uh, boy. That felt really indulgent. Uh, Catherine from Huntsville, Alabama says, Sean, thanks for the show. Macy Smith, Centerville, Tennessee. It's pronounced Centerville, I guess S-I-N-N-E-R. Uh, Sean, I'm listening, to my, listening with my family on the porch, even though it's cold out here. We have heaters. We have heaters. H.M. Lionel, Austin, Texas. Sean, I'm a 62-year-old man. 
with a brand new wife. We love music. And I just wanted to say to my wife, happy third anniversary. (laughs) I got married later in life, and I didn't think I was going to ever get my shot, but here I am. Thank you for the show, and good to have you back. Well, Mr. Lionel, thank you, and it's good to be back. Charleston, South Carolina, Jeanette, age 14. Sean, I have decided I want to go to culinary school, and I just decided that this year. A lot of the things I want to learn how to cook are things my grandmother has taught me to make. Nice things. Things that you eat on Sundays with the family. She's the wisest old woman I've ever known, and so good in the kitchen, and it has inspired me to do something with my life. P.S. My grandmother is 56. Dear Jeanette, ouch, you'll figure out what I mean here in the next uh, 40 years. Sherry from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Also, dear Jeanette, good good luck in culinary school when you go. My wife went to culinary school. It's probably the greatest experience you'll ever have. Sherry in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Sean, my dad, or I want to wish my dad, Michael, a happy birthday. He'll be listening to your next show. I'll make sure of it. He's turning 70 on January 22nd. Well, happy birthday, Michael. 70's a big number. Um, And if you start to think that you're old, just remember, a 14-year-old thought 56 was old a few few seconds ago. (laughs) Brandon from uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Dear Sean, I just found your show, and all the letters that people send in are my favorite part, so I just wanted to see if I could get mine onto your show. My grandfather recently passed away, and I'm looking for ways to remember him. Anything will do. Old songs, old American stuff. He was a war pilot in World War II, and they don't make them like him anymore. He said he felt like he had been made to fly a plane. That was why he was created. But when his eyes went and he couldn't fly anymore, it broke our hearts seeing his wings taken away. Anyway, I guess he has wings now. Thanks for the show, your friend, Brandon. Dear Brandon, may your grandfather fly, fly, fly. Marsha, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Dear Sean, I've missed your show. Thanks for bringing it back. I first learned about it in Southern Living, and I'm excited now that you are done with your break. I know you've had a tough time with this pandemic. So have I. It has been hard not seeing my family and friends, and I haven't seen them hardly at all. Maybe a few times. I'm 77 years old, and this year, I feel like I'm about 99 because I'm isolated. And I'm learning that it's hard on everybody, not just me. Dear Marcia, thank you for that. Uh, Centrica, I've probably butchered this name, Centrica, in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm sorry, uh, Centrica, if that is in fact your name, if I messed it up. Uh, Dear Sean, this is not a podcast I would normally choose, but my mom told me that it helped her get to sleep. (laughs) With the music and the words. 
uh, in your words. I, I know you're going to take this as a non-compliment, but I hope you don't. But your podcast really has helped me get to sleep. LOL. Not in a bad way. I really like it. Keep it up. <laughs> uh, dear Centrinka. Centrinka. Uh, yes, thank you, question mark. Uh, seriously, I, I have heard that before. Yeah, I have heard that before, so it's not it's not offensive whatsoever. If you really want to know how to offend somebody, you know, call them, or, call them, insult the color of their hair if they're a redhead. Uh, Dan from Little Rock, Arkansas. I want my daughter to know that I'm actually listening to this show. She introduced me to your podcast, and I want her to to know I say thanks. Her name is Mariah. She lives in Alberta, Canada, a long way from home. So, Mariah, your dad's listening way down in Little Rock. Howdy doody. Sarah Marks, St. Paul, Minnesota. Sean, I am probably one of your older listeners. I turned 94 last month, and I just missed the way that our nation used to be, with hugs and handshakes, and people who say it's not hard must be young and not have to stay inside. But I am stuck at home because my kids won't let me go anywhere for safety, so I listen to a lot of podcasts now that I know how to do that, because my eyes won't let me watch movies anymore. My eyes are not so good, and I really miss reading. Thank you so much. Well, dear Miss Sarah, I am here to read you whatever you want me to read you. Just say the word. Peter in New Orleans, Louisiana. Dear Sean, I have a band. We play Roots music. How do I get on your show? Please let me know. Well, Peter, I'm glad you asked. Uh, just email me. Uh, show.com is our website. There you can find contact information. Or you can just send me an email at seanofthesouthshow at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. Al Hampton. Al Hampton, Chanute, Kansas. Sean, it's about time you brought your show back. Thank you once again. Missy, Lincoln, Nebraska. I listen to your show on the way to work. I'm one of the essential workers in healthcare. I never saw my career playing out this way. This has been a trying year on healthcare and nurses. I need a little something that doesn't bring me down before I go into the fray. So thank you. Thank you for that. Dear Missy, thank you for everything you do. Roger from Nashville, Tennessee. Sean, I actually listened to your show on my dad's nice sound system in his John Deere tractor. <laughs> he has a lot of land, which he farms north of Nashville. And he farms it for a hobby. And I get to ride his big, fancy, nice tractor, which probably costs more than my house. It's a huge, nice deal with all the stuff you could want. He doesn't have heated seats, though. That's the only option missing. It is my zen place in that little cab, manning that tractor. Being out there and listening to music, and looking at all the aisles of green, it makes me grateful. It makes me glad. I'm looking forward to a good 2021. Why don't you play us a little something here, Grant? What do you want to play for us? Uh, this is written for my mom. 
and it has it's supposed to be just kind of bittersweet um and, and not intentionally with her but I, I liked the idea of of writing or something that that was a little more upbeat that wasn't overly pretty it was just something that was to me it had more of a realness to to write something that wasn't intentionally very pretty all right very good all right here's strolling with Susie. with Susie Grant Ferris man what a what a guy um, I wish I could <laughs> wish my fingers moved quite as fast as his does wish you could see him they're just dancing all over that that guitar neck in a few minutes he's gonna bring out the uh, the nylon string banjo and play for us uh, some songs that sound like some of the old tunes you would have heard on a gut string instrument from a long time ago uh, Leaper's Fork, where we are, is located along the Natchez Trace, the Natchez Trace Trail, which is a 444-mile trail that stretches from the tippy-tip-tip tip of Mississippi, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the tippy-tip-tip tip of Nashville, all the way down through Alabama and through into Mississippi. Uh, this trail 
is the granddaddy of all U.S. trails. Now, you hear people talk about the Appalachian. You hear them talk about, about the Continental Divide Trail. Well, those are glitzy. Those are glamorous. But this thing is older than old. This trail has been here since before the Native Americans set up shop, before the Cherokee, before the Chickasaw, and before the Choctaw. This trail was a trade route and a hunting trail around 800 A.D. when the original natives, the mound builders, would use this. Now, long ago, a young native would have walked these these woods in search of bison or stalking deer or perhaps a few rabbits. Or the older natives would have uh, taken this trail to, to trade with local communities. This thing dates back to the days of the Aztec, of the mines. The mines were still on the earth when this trail was being used. This very trail, the same dirt, this thing was being used before the Hawaiian Islands ever saw a human footprint. 800 A.D., shortly after the birth of Mick Jagger. This is an old old trail and you can feel it out there you feel the history of this trail andrew jackson rode this trail in the war of 1812 because most of his soldiers knew this trail like the back of their hand because around 1810 this trail was servicing about 10,000 travelers per year now mostly these guys who walked this trail were called cane tucks they were rivermen who would have gotten onto the Ohio River and floated down their merchandise all the way down to Louisiana or, or Mississippi or even uh, the ports in Mobile or, or Pensacola. And once they finished selling their wares, they would have bought a horse down there at the port city and they would have taken this trail back home up to Pennsylvania or the Ohio area or Kentucky or they would have walked it. And that means... You could have looked out among these woods and you would have seen little glowing campfires dotting the nightscape. And there would have been men in fur keeping warm with a musket cradled in their arms while they slept or a derringer pistol. These were men who were so tough. These were men who were so burly that they would have made my generation of smartphone users or internet addicts look like uh, the JV chess club. These were real frontiersmen, and they used this trail. Uh, possibly Andrew Jackson's famous horse, Sam Patch, might have used this trail. Probably the most famous horse to ever live. Who was the horse who jumped uh, into the Niagara, the Niagara uh, uh, in, I believe it was 1843. He was a famous horse. Well, the reason I say that is because horses use this trail all over the place. You'll see horses up and down this thing. I've met a few today. What a wonderful place to be, a place that reminds us that America is a lot older than we think it is, and it's, it's a lot younger than we think it is, too. The nearby village in Williamson County of Lapers Fork uh, has about 650 people and, in Williamson County, and it is a, a nice place with Puckett's Grocery Store nearby, where all the musicians in nearby Nashville come and hang out and play music. And you can see world-class music in Puckett's. And otherwise, if I were you, and you were coming here to Lapers Fork area, aside from the wonderful inns and the restaurants and the antique stores and the woodworking shops and the private art galleries and, of course, 
the real estate offices. If I were you, I would find Garrison Creek, where we are here, Garrison Creek Loop Trail, and take a little time to to walk this land on Natchez Trace. Take a, take a moment and feel what history was all about. You can really feel it out here. Grant's going to play us another tune. Uh, and what tune is uh, what tune is this you gonna play for us? Uh, this is a tune I I wrote, which is called Moonlight. <laughs> fabulous uh, tell me are you proud of this this instrument uh, i am very proud of this instrument so the technique that i had to sort of develop is kind of a cross between so many different right hand guitar techniques left hand wise is not much that not much different but it's a matter of banjo rolls and travis picking and classical technique all kind of wrapped up into one. Uh, classical technique would have me not resting my fingers on the on the head or the top of the instrument. It would be very balanced, and it's all all of your power comes from the weight of your arm and and things like that. But I tried to keep that traditional classical te- classical technique on this instrument, and it it doesn't hold up. You need it's sort of banjo technique of resting your fingers because your thumb is at a different angle and really helps to play off the you know sort of significant characteristics of this instrument and then the so you get the banjo rolls but then you can have the classical technique which is very you know single line melodies and and then you have the Travis picking technique to sort of fill in the space. It's a mixture of everything, and you know I I try not to be a one trick pony, so uh, not having one skill, but really combining many different skills and techniques into 
its own thing. It's what I love about this instrument. All right, well, Grant Ferris, and as, as things go... sitting out here on this trail imagining what it must have been like when all the trees were in bloom a thousand years ago a thousand years you would think this trail would be a whole lot more well known than it is you would think everybody would know about it because it's a world landmark but it's not quite that way I asked some people in my hotel if they knew where I was and they looked at me like I had boogers 
I said, have you ever heard of the Natchez Trace? Do you know where I can find it? And the man behind the counter at my hotel said, the what? The Natchez Trace, the Natchez Trace Trail, the Garrison Creek Trail Loop. Is that the place where they they light the martinis on fire and the the half-naked girls dance on the bar? You gotta worry about America. But I did find it eventually. Thanks the Lord. And I'm glad I did. It's beautiful. And I could I could really use some beauty today. On Friday, I woke up in the hotel. I turned on my television. And I went to the sports channels. Yeah, I can always depend on the sports channels to keep me somewhat happy. Because in a pandemic especially, you turn to the news channels and, and you are going to find something that will make you blue. The rule of thumb for me is if you're having a good day, keep that television off altogether. Unless you go to the sports channel where you can check, you know, who's being traded, who's making millions and millions of dollars. The players in the sport of baseball especially get younger each year and cockier. And they get a little more rambunctious. But when I turned on the channel, I saw the man's face. The man I'm talking about is Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron, born in 1934, it said beneath his name, died in 2021. Oh. He died that morning that I turned on the television. I could not believe it. Hank Aaron. Oh. I knew I had to know more about him. Hank Aaron, the, the lifetime Atlanta Brave, uh, who was in a Milwaukee Brave before that, and I believe he signed when they were still in Boston? No, no. Maybe it was while they were still in Milwaukee. Well, my first move to find out more was to call 85-year-old Howie Bedell, who played with the Milwaukee Braves during the golden era. He started playing professional baseball when names like Mays, Mantle, Snyder, and Jackie were household names. Ted Williams was still playing in this era. Jackie Williams had just retired. The way I found Howie Bedell was through combing through the old Milwaukee Braves roster and I saw his name and I touched it with my finger and I went to the right and it said 86 years old and that was all it said on the roster I looked up his hometown on the internet Pottstown, Pennsylvania and I picked up the phone and called the number that I found for him in the phone book I had never met him before that day it was pure chance. I looked his name up, and I took a chance. When I answered the phone, I could hear a TV blaring in the background, and I heard a dog barking at the back door. Not a big dog, a little tiny dog, like a, a yipping dog. The kind of dog with a name like Mr. Jingles or Snowball. And I said, excuse me, is, uh, is this Howie Bedell? He said, yes. I said, is this the... Howie Bedell, who played with the Milwaukee Braves. And his voice changed. He said, well, yes, it is. I did play baseball a long time ago. Well, it was really something. It was really something to talk to someone like that. We made fast friends. I want to tell you, it didn't take but a few seconds for us to become buddies. So I asked a few questions. 
I said, uh, tell me what you can about Hank, Aaron. And he, he just, he just started from the beginning. He said, well, I met Hank Aaron, and we called him Henry. And the spring training, uh, I think it was 57. Yeah, 57, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And I drove all the way down from, from Pottstown, Pennsylvania, in my, in my new car. It was my first car that I ever bought. And I drove from Pottstown as soon as I signed with the Braves organization. Oh, I was 22 years old, I think. And I came all the way down and I stopped in Georgia to, to fill up with gas. He said, uh, I was uh, caught in a rainstorm and they put the top up and it was a convertible. I'm driving and driving and I'm looking at the deep south for the first time in my life. I'd never been this far south. Oh, it was really something. The year would have been 1957. Yeah, I believe it was 1957. And his story just went deep into the recesses of that era of baseball, which is gone now. It was an era when Eisenhower was president and Patsy Cline was on the radio and gasoline would have been 30 cents a gallon. And the Little Rock Nine had just enrolled in high school. What a time to be an American. How he said, I was... I was in the minor league system and I was so nervous. You know, I was just, I was just nervous. I was, wasn't going to make a good impression. He was 22 years old, acquired by the Braves minor league system. Howie batted left through right, stood about 6'1". 185 pounds of pure legs that could sprint to first base in 2.9 seconds. He was literally, Howie, the fastest human to play the game. At that time, he was fast. How he said when he showed up to practice, he's sitting in the dugout. And someone said to him, hey, Howie, come on, take the field and let's warm up. How he got out of the dugout and he jogged to the field in front of an empty stadium in Bradenton, Florida. And two other players exited the dugout with him to play a game of Pepper. Pepper's a warm-up game. It's uh, one person hits, one person pitches, and one person fields. The two people who exited the dugout with him were 26-year-old third baseman Eddie Matthews and 23-year-old center fielder from Mobile, Alabama, who everyone called Henry or Hank. Oh, how his heart was pounding in his throat. He stood out there in center field. He was crouched in that quintessential position that all fielders do. Hands on the knees, simultaneously standing upright to stretch and punch your mid a little bit. He was just trying to remind himself to breathe and relax. How he watched young Aaron at the plate limber up, swinging his bat back and forth. Hank had a, a strange cross-handed grip. He swung the bat like someone who had learned how to play baseball on his own. Strange grip. But he was solid, and he was tall, skinned like fresh coffee, wearing this perpetual half-smile. Aaron looked at, uh, looked at Howie standing in the field. He said, hey, Howie, you want me to hit you a one-hopper or a two-hopper ground ball? And Howie gave this nervous chuckle. He looked around at the guys in the dugout, and he looked at the pitcher, and he said, is this guy for real? I mean, no batter 
in history can tell you how many hops his ground ball is going to have. I mean, let alone tell you where he's going to hit it or what kind of hit he's going to get. But this guy at the plate, he was telling Howie exactly what he was going to hit, exactly how he's going to hit it, one hoppers or two hoppers. And Howie just was was perplexed. He, he whispered to the pitcher how he did. He said, is this guy serious? In the pitcher, Eddie Matthews looked around and said, just shut up and watch. We'll make it a one-hopper, said Howie. All right, coming right up, said Aaron. There was the wind-up. There was the pitch. Crack. Sure enough, it was a one-hopper. Howie caught the ball, and you could have knocked him over with dandelion fuzz. It was genuine amazement. And the Alabama kid up at the plate was just getting started. He shouted out to Howie, All right, two-hopper coming at you, buddy. Crack. Bounce, bounce, catch. This was pure wizardry. Who was this guy? Mumbled Howie. And the pitcher turned around and said, Oh, that? That's Henry. This was a time when men were men on that field. I'm not saying that we've lost something in the game. I'm just saying men were different back then. Well, then I asked Howie uh, what Aaron was like off the field. I was real curious what he was like as a person. Howie took a few seconds and he thought about it. He said, oh, you know, he was really quiet. He was something else. And then there was silence on the other end of the line. It was like Howie was trying to figure out how to describe the essence of somebody in only a few words, you know. Kind of like trying to describe Yosemite in only three or four paragraphs to a blind frog. He said, oh, he's, he's quiet, gentle, unassuming. I never heard him talk about himself. Never heard him brag. And listen, people have no idea the abuse he went through because of the color of his skin. Oh, it was horrible. In those days, he wasn't even allowed to eat with us ball players. They made him eat his meals on the bus sometimes. But he always had that smile. Even in those hard times, he, he always had that smile. He was a good man. Howie, like the rest of America, <laughs> still remembers when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record, a long-standing record, which Aaron broke later in his career. Aaron hit 715 home runs and shattered the, the old record and finally ended that season with 733 home runs. And now Howie was recalling this before his TV, which was glowing and blaring in the background. And I could hear it going. And I could hear the headlines behind. It was definitely the baseball channel he was tuned to. He said he remembered exactly where he was sitting when Hank broke that air, that record. He said he remembers exactly what his TV looked like and how he was positioned when he saw Aaron hit that ball and get his name transformed into pure folklore. The year would have been 1974. Nixon was in office. Stevie Wonder was on the radio. Paul Anka was on the radio. Abba was on the radio singing Waterloo, whatever the heck that is. <laughs> Aaron had been receiving death threats and racist hate mail about the record. Ever since he'd 
he'd encroached on this record. People had been sending him horrid things and threats of violence so that his family even had to watch via television that couldn't even be there, which is a shame because it was a chilly night in April. There were 53,775 fans in Atlanta's Fulton County Stadium, the largest crowd that that stadium had ever seen. I loved that stadium. Sorry, it's gone now. There were millions watching at home. Millions. TVs were glowing from Maine to California. Children were sitting in their PJs before bulbous Zenith console TVs and Sony console TVs. <laughs> they were sitting in slack-jawed wonderment, watching to see if they could witness any magic. And they did. Hank Aaron hit his 715th home run. And as soon as that ball sailed out the park, there was a little sign behind him which glowed in the dark. It said 715, 715. And fans flooded the infield. People leapt out of the stands and over the, the outfield wall. And they were cheering until they lost their voices. And just imagine this. 54,000, roughly, rejoicing Georgians jumping up and down at once at Fulton County Stadium. They could reduce that place into rubble. It was like the world had been set on fire. Dodgers announcer Vin Scully, kind of an emotional guy at the time, said over the airwaves, what a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South. And boy, it was a marvelous moment indeed. Perhaps, in a manner of speaking, it was the most marvelous moment the sport has ever known. But the morning that Howie woke up on Friday was not so, not so marvelous. He shuffled into his den. He flipped on his television just the same way he'd done every morning. Deal with the dog, get the coffee, sit down, check on who's being traded to which team and which person's entered the game. And He turned on the screen and he saw that image that I saw in my hotel room, the image of his old teammate. And the caption below it said, Hank Aaron, 1934 to 2021. The old man collapsed in his chair and the memories just got so thick that he had to swat them away like gnats. There's a, a moment in a man's life when everything comes back to him. Every summer, every spring training, every game, every new glove, the smell of a new baseball hidden that new leather. How he said it's been a hard year with this pandemic. And now this. He said, I don't mean to be morbid, but at my age, I'm losing all my friends. And I can't go to the funerals because my, my, my family doesn't want me to leave the house. And so every now and then I go to my country store and I fill up the car with gas and I wear my mask and they refill my, my coffee and they say, hey, Howie, they know me by name there, but I, I can't leave too much and I can't go to the funerals of my friends because of the virus. But there was nothing sad or lonely in his voice. And that's what, that's what I marvel at. I was talking with a man who witnessed the golden era of baseball. And baseball is never dismal. It is hopeful. 
This is nothing new for baseball to lose. Even when we lose a forebear, loss is part of the game. The game is always changing, just like life. How he said, God, I love this game. I've played baseball in every state, every ballpark, every city, a hundred times. I've done everything you can do. I've coached at first base. I've balanced the books. I've managed the teams. I've cut the grass. I've seen every kind of man and kid who ever came through this game. And I'm telling you, Hank Aaron was a good man. Each year in the game of existence, the players get younger and cockier. And each year, we'll lose another hero who taught children how to be kind how to endure, and how to believe in magic. This year, we lost one of those men. May he rest in peace, Hank Aaron. A very good man. One, two, three. That's our show for you. That's our show, and it certainly has been a pleasure coming to you on a Saturday night from Leaper's Fork, just outside Nashville, the Natchez Trace Trail. You want to find out anything more about the Natchez Trace Historic Scenic Trail, look them up at mps.gov, the National Park Service. You can find trailheads in Alabama, Mississippi, and Tennessee, and you owe it to yourself to see some of the oldest sections of trail in this country. To find out anything more about Grant Ferris, visit grantferris.com, F-E-R-R-I-S.com. There you can download his album, No Seriously, or go to iTunes. Do yourself a favor and listen to this wonderful music. Grant is not just a guitarist and nylon string banjo player. He's a piano player, trumpet player, a bazooki player. He can do it all. And he is a composer at heart. His music will blow your mind. I promise you that. He's going to be starting a new podcast called Museum coming to you in the spring. A podcast which profiles musicians and their instruments and the love they have for them. You don't want to miss that. also want to say special thanks to Aaron Peters, my buddy, who plays fiddle for us each week. A master at his craft. And Silvio Centimori, who plays the drums. Also, William Buchanan, Jake Howard, and Dan DeLeon for helping us put this thing together and get it out there. I want to also say thank you to you for pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and trudging on every single day. This is not an easy time to be alive. It is not an easy time to be an American, but you're doing it, and you're doing it well, and I wish you all the love that you can stand. Adios. Adios.